Our reading this morning is from Luke chapter 24, the Emmaus Road. You won't find that I'm reading from the same Bible as you, um, but if you still like to follow, that will be great. It was nearly evening, and two of Jesus' followers were walking on the road from Jerusalem to the little village of Emmaus. They felt desperately sad as they turned all the events of the past week around in their minds. How could this have happened? How could Jesus, the Messiah, have died the death of a common criminal? How could such wonder and glory and hope, all those children waving palms, all the people singing Hosanna, how could all that have ended in cruel death? The two walked on hopelessly. They were weeping as they spoke. But as they walked along, a stranger joined them on the road. They scarcely looked at him, although there was something a little familiar about the way he walked and even about the tone of his voice. What are you talking about? He said. Why, the the terrible things that have happened in Jerusalem. They shook their heads. They were hardly able to continue. Oh, said the stranger. What things? What things? Are you the only visitor who does not know what happened in the city this week? The death of Jesus from Nazareth. We believed he was the Messiah, but... They explained how Jesus had been killed, how all their hopes had been dashed, and how their whole lives had sunk into despair. The stranger shook his head. You foolish people, he said gently. Don't you understand the scriptures? Don't you realize that the Messiah had to die? They looked at him curiously. His eyes were deep in shadow and the light of the setting sun seemed to blaze all around him. Who was he? Why did they think they had met him before, somewhere, somehow? They walked on to Emmaus as the stranger went through all the scriptures, all the prophets from start to finish, and explain to them how the Messiah, God's chosen one, had to give his life to save the world. When they arrived at their home in Emmaus, they persuaded the stranger to come in and eat with them. They sat down, and the mysterious guest took the bread, blessed it, and broke it. And suddenly, Their eyes were opened. They saw that it was Jesus. They cried out in amazement, leapt from their chairs. But the place where he had been sitting was empty. Jesus had vanished.
During, um, just before Christmas, I had um, some conversations with some of the children from St. Andrew's School um, about the journey that Mary and Joseph took uh, on their way to Bethlehem. It was a long journey. It was a difficult journey. It was an arduous journey over a few days, especially if you were a pregnant woman. And today, in the church calendar, and it's not the reading we've just read, we traditionally think about the visit of the Magi, the wise men from the east, coming from afar, coming from far away, on a long journey, a long walk to bring gifts to Jesus, to bring gifts to Jesus' feet, all for Jesus. It's a story of revelation, and it's a story of response, too. Two long journeys, Mary and Joseph and the Magi. So I wonder, as we start a new year, and this is a question I also ask the children, is can you think of a long journey or a difficult journey you've been on? Just take a moment to think of something that comes into your mind, probably the most difficult journey you've ever been on, and think, what was it and why? What was this long journey and why? That's it. All sorts of different ones may come to mind. Some people who've been a little bit older may have loads of journeys they can think about that they'll never forget. One or two of you may just have one or two journeys. But when I had the conversation with some of the children of St. Andrews, some of the journeys the children had made were journeys of fearful journeys, trying to escape countries where they were finding things difficult, where they're going to be oppressed, and they were escaping across land, across the hills, but also one or two of them in boats to come to a different place. I was quite taken aback thinking about that. Lots of uncertainty, some fear on a long journey. But also getting to the destination, getting to your end point, there's also joy and satisfaction when a journey is complete. I'm someone who loves to get to the end point uh, Particularly, that's one of the things I particularly like in a journey. Uh, the, the journey itself is something to enjoy, but there's a real satisfaction in getting to the destination that you're intending to. And when I was uh, thinking, I was sharing with the children, I was, I, was asked, I was asked, well, what's the toughest journey you did? And I was thinking about this. I thought, well, actually, it's quite easy for me to think about the hardest journey I've done, which is probably when I was uh, nine years old. And when I walked, I might have mentioned this before, I walked 42 miles across what's called the Lyke Wake Walk. It's a journey from a place called Us Motherly in North Yorkshire, all the way across the Yorkshire Moors, it's actually the other way around, um, to the coast at Robin Hood's Bay. I remember I was quite young. I'd never walked that distance before. It was 42 miles. We started at 10 o'clock at night. We walked through the night, and we finished on the early afternoon the day afterwards. I remember the worst part of the journey was about sort of four in the morning when you'd already been walking five or six hours, you were weary, the light, the dawn was just beginning to break, and you were kind of just exhausted. But I also remember getting to the end point and having an ice cream, ice cream van just stood there ready to greet me, having completed an arduous journey. It was a great sense of achievement, 
but it was also costly and difficult and painful. One of the ways the Bible talks about being a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian, is in terms of walking. It's a picture of walking. We walk by faith, trusting Jesus with our lives and all that we are. We walk in the footsteps of Jesus, is one of the ways that uh, we also talk about walking. And we also walk in, by, and through the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the things we're going to think about this coming year, what that means. So what does that mean? It means that throughout the Bible, our relationship with God is characterised by walking. It's active. God walks with us, and we walk with God. God walks with us, and we walk with God. God longs for us to know that he's near. And in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see that in slightly different ways. I think you might have mentioned just before Christmas, our Advent retreat uh, for clergy this year was a meditation on three Bible characters, Old Testament Bible characters, and how God walked with them through all the ups and downs, the story of Moses, the story of Jacob, and the story of Job. Particularly the story of Job. God walked with them. Right at the beginning of the account of Joshua, the book of Joshua, at the beginning of the entry into the promised land, God promises that where they step their feet, where they place their feet, God will give them every place where they set their feet. That as they step out, as they step forward, God goes with them. It requires a step. It requires moving. It requires something of us. Right at the beginning of our service, we uh, said and read bits from Psalm 89 together. It's a psalm that calls on God's people to walk daily in the light of his goodness, his faithfulness, and his presence. The Christian life isn't just lived in our heads as a set of beliefs. It plays out in our attitudes and our choices and in our day-to-day lives. And God wants to be part of all of it. Not just bits of it, all of it. Last term, we looked at the book of Galatians together. And famously in Galatians, in chapter 5, God calls us to walk by the Spirit. It's the verse on the front of your notice sheet today. The followers are to live in the power of the Holy Spirit that God promised and God gave to his followers. It's not a walk of fearfulness in some sense. At times it can be difficult. But God promises to be with us, but also in us too. And that helps us in our walk with him through our lives. So I wonder this year, we're going to spend our Sundays discovering what it means to, be, to walk by his spirit. But how do we do that in 2022? When we look through the Bible, look through all the characters in the Bible, some of which you'll love, some of which you won't, we'll discover again and again people um, that God is with his people. God is with his people. He doesn't abandon them. He doesn't leave them on their own. God is with them. Famously, just briefly to say, the the reading Joe read, which you might think is a slightly odd reading, uh, to talk about that in relation to having just gone through Advent and through Christmas. The road to Emmaus is an extraordinary passage to dwell on in our current season where we're so disconcerted with COVID and our routines all over the place. 
So much room for confusion and dismay. So many shattered dreams, people who hoped that the last two years would look like this. And there'd be nothing like that. Hadn't been able to see family, hadn't been able to do what we wanted to do, hadn't been able to, all our dreams and hopes, lots of them crushed. I mean, that's the reality, isn't it? Lots of crushed dreams and hopes. Have you experienced that? Have you navigated that? Have you dealt with that? Or are you just trying to keep powering on in your own strength, hoping things will get better? See, on this journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus that Joe read to us, there was confusion, but then things changed. As the disciples realized Jesus was with them. Jesus was with them. Jesus was with them. Are we aware of his presence in our lives? Are we just trying to get on? What we see is the disciples in many ways, there's lots more you could say about this, but the disciples also needed a change of perspective. They thought they were on their own. They thought they'd been abandoned. They thought they were just having to make do. But it turns out that God was walking with them. Are you open this year to what God wants to do in your life? Are you open to how he wants to use your time, your gifts, all that you have for him, to serve him and to share what you have with others? Most of us will have good intentions as we begin a new year of getting fitter, doing, getting healthier lifestyle, changing some of the patterns of things that we're actually we're in bad habits. But what if God has some good intentions for our lives that he wants to make known to us? What if God wants to show us his purposes for this year as we begin to step out for him? Today is an opportunity, we often use it as a way of reflecting, but also dedicating ourselves afresh to what God wants for us this coming year. Why? Because we get, we get lost, we get confused. We're like the sheep who go astray, wanting to go our own way, and God calls us back to himself. Say, come afresh to me. And actually, this is the beginning of a new year. That's what we're going to encourage you to do. Lord, would you help us to come back to you? We're sorry where we've gone astray. Sorry where we continually try to do things in our own strength, in our own way. And we find ourselves stuck in the bracken again, thrashing around, lost, frantic, and disheartened. Forgive us, Father. Father, may we and may I this morning fresh say I'm open and willing to what you have for me and for us this year even with all the challenges help us to keep on track this year in Jesus name Amen